0: This week, Danny and Dusty think everything's super. Oh, it's huge. It was an
1: absolute youth.
0: This is Danny and Dusty on Super Week.
2: Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at warrenallen.com.
0: Danny and Dusty on 1080.
2: Uncle
3: Uncle burning crap.
2: Big butts
0: matter. The Fan.
3: Good afternoon!
0: Oh, ah, ah,
3: ah. Wow, very presidential. I feel like I'm in a parade right now. Happy Super Week, everybody! We've got one... This is it. This is the final week. That should make us all very sad. It's final week of football season. It's here. It is. It's very it's sad time. It's times. crushing you, isn't it?
1: Sorry, I, I, my Yo, headphones decided to just stop working as we launch the show. We, Super fun.
3: We wait... Until football season starts, and now football season is ending. This mm. is, thank you. Thank you. It's very weird. Um, the next three days. How are, long of crying do you
4: have for that drop? the a long one. Jeez. Like, I, think, I think it's a 12-second long one. Russ, I just like, cut it off. I was like, I got
1: an hour of baby crying here. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> the next three days are going to suck, because not only locally, we, we don't have any football. We don't need basketball either. No Blazers between oh, yeah. now and the trade deadline. So it's it's kind of a sports desert for the next three years. Yeah, days. why is that? It's a weird kink in the schedule because they had the two we don't kink shame. We don't we don't Mm-mm. kink shame here. Mm-mm. Uh but yeah, they had the, the two uh you know baseball series games in Denver mm. and then they get three days off of Which know, they went over. They did go over. They went over. No, they they competed and we'll talk about those games. Those they were they were um at attaboy. At a boy games, that's moral what.
3: victories. Yeah, that's what that's what Rip City is to become. Moral victory city. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. That's, that's what rebuilding is. And this is, and is for translates into good draft picks. This yeah. is for all of the
3: people that wanted the rebuild, that wanted Dame traded. You have it now, and yes. I hope you're ready for this life. Moral victories are a thing.
1: Yes, they like that's what matters. They're it is 15, so miserable to be in. You're fifteen and thirty-five. They've won 15 of 50 games. Right on pace. Right on pace. They're on pace. Actually, they're behind.
3: Nah no. Behind no, no, no. They're, no, for the under. This which is what we want. Oh, yes, yeah, no. <laughs> they're, they're right on pace to hit the under. Yeah. Neither Suke nor I have any vested interest in that at all. No, because the under was the play, and it was the easy play to take this season, and they're living up to it. But the moral victories are based on the growth that you want yep. to see; that things are heading in the right direction. And I think that this, there's actually a really tough time for people that are anti-Chauncey, anti-DeAndre Ayton, and anti anthony Simons. Yeah, it's been a rough. It's been a rough two weeks. The the people, the folks that wanted to say Scoot Henderson was a bust after his first three months in mm-hmm. the NBA, real rough for them right now. But it is signs of growth. Yeah. It's not all going to be here, and this, this is the thing that is so infuriating: is people just want it and they want it now. If you are not seeing growth, it's because you are not wanting to it's acknowledge you, what is problem. happening. We are actually seeing this team is taking making strides. Yeah, they,
1: it, they, they are, are. And, that, and that's that's how this is supposed to go. And this when you know we talked about it last Ugh. week the Milwaukee win and kind of how all right, things kind of roll out of that. It's you know, it's just you know that's that's fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is we'll fun. talk about the
3: Blazers. Yeah. It's super weak though. It so is super weak. We so gotta got get to get kind of sportsy there.
1: No, no, reel it back in.
3: Yeah, no. How's everybody's weekend? Everybody have good weekends?
1: Sure. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. You're yeah. just going sure. Sure.
1: Yeah, no. It, just it was a weird weekend for sure. Uh, I uh, I did a not quite a spring clean, but I did a lot of cleaning. That's weird. We did the
3: same thing. Like we clean. It was like because it was nice outside. Mm-hmm. Like we were outside a lot, and then it turned into Saturday, we ended up cleaning out the garage. Mm. Like we went through like the clean out of the garage and I came because all of my stuff from my childhood, my parents were like, here you go. You got it. Yeah. And
1: my parents did that to me too.
3: So I was just like throwing out all my, all my stuff. Like, because my wife and I had this conversation we, you, you need to have these conversations like, all right, well, who's the next person that's going to go through this? It's our children when we die. Right. Yeah. So do I need, my varsity letters or my all league awards or anything like that my trophies as a kid i don't i don't so i threw all those away
4: if you throw those away how are you gonna know if you can throw the ball over the mountains over there that's right that's
3: right so those are went dumpster the also went uh my my kindergarten progress report which that was a thing oh
1: did you read it before you threw it away, I did. Oh yeah, those are great.
3: I did. My teachers were very concerned about my lack of a sense of justice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a. It, it started out, boy, you have a boy, and he's all boy, and, and so I do. I do love when he comes in his football uniform to school. <laughs> But Dusty will acclimate to kindergarten well once, or I guess this was pre-K, once he uh, once he hones in a sense of justice
1: and not harming others. <laughs> you were
4: a violent little turd, huh? Uh,
3: apparently, <laughs> I, I was aggressive. I was an aggressive one.
1: You remember the old Bearden ones, the kind of like long skinny ones Yikes. where you just bubbled them in? Yeah. Mine had, like all of them were always good. I was a really good student when I was a little kid. But. The uh, attitude area Mm -hmm. always had like there's a little section for notes for anything in there, Mm -hmm. and it always had something along the lines. Did they have
4: to attach addendums?
1: Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) And it was always um, some version of he talks too much. Yeah. (laughs) Talking is impeding the learning process. Yeah. Uh, That was what they put on mine. Yeah,
3: mine was was sweet and caring with my and have a good core group of friends. But watch out when they're together. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently my sense of justice came down to I would uh, if people treated me or my friends bad, yeah, it wasn't gonna go well for them. It was, it was, I it did was, it not a,
1: have that sense
3: of justice The ride or
1: die was was early. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, and so we got rid of that. Mm. But I also found uh, there were some treasure troves that I found. Um, so I got a chance when I was a kid to go down to San Francisco 49ers training camp Mm. before the 94 season. Was that a good team? That was a historic team. (laughs) Yeah. And I got pictures signed by Mike Walters, Brent Jones, Steve Young, Jerry Rice. Yeah. And they were, like, from the the team photos. Yeah. And we had thought that those all, all but the Mike Walters one had gotten stolen. When in a move, we hired movers and it was like, I had like these pictures as a kid and it was like the, the Steve one, Jerry, Steve Young, Jerry Rice and Brent Jones were gone. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, those are gone. Well, I went to pop the Mike Walters one out of the frame that it was. Cause it was like old frame.
1: They were all in there.
3: They were all in there. And I called my mom. This is like 30 years ago now. It was like twenty twenty eight 20, 28 years ago that we moved. And we thought that these things were gone. I find, and I called my mom and she's like, Oh, yeah, I put them there because I put them behind the Mike Walters one because he signed it too dusty and he signed it. And she goes, So they wouldn't steal the other ones that didn't have, you know, the inscription on them. And it was Jerry Rice and Steve Young. So she was like, Yeah, somebody would have stolen those. And I was like, 28 years we went. 28 Twenty eight. Twenty years now. You remember? And I finally found them. So cleaning was really good there. Rewarding. In, in rewarding like cleaning session there. And then I also found something that I thought was going to be the like this was going to be the big find. Like this was I found King Tut's tomb right now. Nice. So my great grandfather pitched for the Yankees, and he used to go back to the Legends game.
1: And you've told me some stories.
3: Yeah, he was a uh, you. Grandpa Don liked to party.
1: He, also, he also lacked a sense of justice.
3: Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. He he may he may have gotten, I think, stabbed in Tijuana. <laughs> but uh he used to go to these legends game, and one year he he promised, I'll get you a signed ball and I'll bring it back to you. So I find this ball just in a box, and it's signed by Yogi Berra, Duke Snyder, Whitey Ford, Good God. all these guys, and I'm like, holy smokes. And so I called my mom. I was like, did you know this was just in a box that you gave me? She's like, yeah, I don't know. That's not that there's some funny business going on there. Turns out Grandpa Don forgot to give me the ball. So my great grandmother, Gam, was like, well, promised him a ball. So so she she forged all the signatures on it. So I was like, she's like, yeah, believe me, we would have taken way better care of this had it been. The actual thing, she goes. There's no way that those are real. So Some then I started Some lady
1: start, signed the ball named Baby
3: Ruth. So I started like Googling, like all because that's a great thing about you know the collectibles now. You can search what all of signatures these things like. are. All the signatures look like none of them looked anything yeah. like it. And then, oh, upon further investor investigation, oh gam there. What she Yogi Berra was Yobi Berra. <laughs> it wasn't Yogi Bear. <laughs> it was Yogi Berra, and I was like, okay, yeah, all right, nice one. But they tried to pass this one off, like they tried to pull one over. I thought I had the real deal there, and I was like, Phew, we're retiring early. No, still working. Yeah, I'm here today. But instead, it's, it's, it's boo boo. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was hit and miss. It was a it was an adventure going through all of the old things. Uh, from my childhood.
1: I did that last summer. Yeah, My parents dropped off the boxes of stuff. And I, I think I did about about the same. I pulled some sports cards, some memorabilia, tossed away a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, the big black garbage bags going to the dump type stuff. I was like, why do I have so much crap?
3: Yeah, we went through a lot. Dude. But... Also rewarding to get to get all that stuff out right? and just be like, all right, I, we got we got rid of a bunch of crap we don't need anymore. That's what
1: I did I, this Golly. Sunday. I completely cleaned out the studio because I'm getting ready to move it into the other studio, and my wife's going to take over that, and we'll have another room for the kid eventually. And it was funny. I got done. And I I looked around. And I, I it was so empty in there. It was just kind of like, oh, this is this is weird. It's not crap everywhere. Cause I'm I am a you you know this because you're in here every day with me I am a spreader I, have, I I have I have stuff and I just spread out like I empty my pockets onto the desk I yeah. my bag like every, and that's when I work that's what I do like I just take over my desk and,
3: I get anxiety just thinking about well, that's that. my wife like, like you, I do not yeah uh, that is not me
1: she you go in her office it is immaculate all the time <laughs> my desk is just and I have to like once a week I have to like. Okay, like yeah. clean and reorient, and like do everything, like get started again. But like, my wife walked in. She went out to to lunch with her mom. She came back. She's like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "What?" Because I was in the other room. She's like, "You cleaned in here, like all the way." She's <laughs> like, "I forgot what it looked like like this." I'm uh, like, yeah, I'm a pig.
3: I can't do that. <laughs> I can Here's a great. This is a great idea. I may have to go through the uh, garbage can. And uh, maybe, maybe we—if sh- you still have all those tro- trophies, you should give him out his awards at the Fan Golf Ooh, Classic. Ooh,
1: I like that. <laughs> I like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody can have my uh, uh, most valuable runner award. I like it. <laughs> Glencoe High School Track, Home, huh, baby, two thousand two. <laughs> Just be like, what is this for? Why not? Have it.
1: I feel like that's the kind of thing where it ends up on a rock somewhere on the way to the coast, being shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You. I mean, you lived out there. I mean, I guess you're not really a gun guy. Do you ever take the random trip out, like drive off the road a beaten path with a pack of guns and go blow stuff up?
3: Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's kind of what you do. Yeah. During the slow times, as I say, the, right, you right? live in the sticks. Oh. Yeah.
1: We're, did that one time? To- oh, not one time.
3: There you was the one quarry. time that
1: I did that. Yes, the quarry, and I. There was a ricochet. That came oh. back, and it was straight out of the cartoons. Boom! Made the echo through the loud. through the canyon, kind yeah. of a deal, and came within a couple feet of somebody. That's not good. Yeah, no, it was terrifying.
3: Yeah, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, you need to be more responsible than that.
1: Yeah, it happened. Come on, Danny. I, yeah. Come on. One, All right, one in a million. I'm ready for this uh, radio
3: program. We got a lot that we got to get to today. We do. We
1: we we we, yeah, we, we sports there a little bit. But now, now we get to sports really hard. Yeah. Hey, update.
3: So, hey, uh, you know what I'm gonna. You know what I definitely will do. Mm. If I don't give the trophies, I will give away the forged uh, autographs from New York Yankees legends by my Ooh, grandmother, my like great grandmother, at the uh, Fan Golf Classic. I'll give that ball away.
4: Mm. I don't know. I think Yobi's turning over in his grave right now. <laughs> uh,
1: it is 47 degrees here in Portland. An update. I am wearing pants.
3: Yeah, congratulations. Pants. You're a normal human being. now.
1: Below 55, the pants went back on.
3: Boy, it was beautiful this weekend, though. Fantastic.
1: It was warm. Like, legitimately went outside. Dog was sunning herself on the porch, and I was like, what is happening here? Mm. It is February. Mm. Mm. Quite nice.
3: It was very nice. Mm. But now we're back to the rains, and I, I can't. I can't ask for much more. It's crapped All right, it is Monday. It's never too early to start thinking about your uh, Super Bowl recipes. Mm. So I would like to get some of those. Oh, well, yeah.
1: No, send send them in.
3: Yeah, because now, like if you do it on Thursday or Friday, it's almost too late. Yeah. Like, you, you gotta start be, the preparations you now. Your
1: ingredients, man. Yeah,
3: let us know. 503-864-6326. That's a Vancouver Ford Tech line. Uh we got a lot of Super Bowl that we're gonna get to. You mentioned the Portland Trailblazers. We do they do deserve some discussion because a uh, trade deadline is this week.
1: Yeah, we are three days away, Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. You have got, I believe that's 3 p.m. Eastern. Yes, so yes. noon. So as we go on,
3: oh, noon for us, it's noon. Noon, that's that's great. It's great. Flurry of moves going to be right here. Uh, we have the trade deadline coming up. The Blazers I'll be, I'll be sweating during my noon update <laughs> have been playing well. That's different from how of the other <laughs> updates that you have jerk i'm just saying i'm just saying
4: i keep it cool over here
3: okay yeah yeah. Studio. yeah yeah uh we have other nba with the joel Embiid bead saga keep our
4: uh,
3: doc rivers is somehow the eastern conference head coach for the all-star yeah, game that was a fun that was a f- fun little story this weekend uh and then uh, we got some college football news and notes as well that, that we got to get to um It's busy. It's a busy Monday, and thank you for riding with us. We'll be here until 3 o'clock. Where we start, which will rear its ugly head first, the dropsies or the bend and break defense? Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fan. All right, we got the Super
3: Bowl coming up on Sunday in Las Vegas, Nevada. The stage is set for the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And two things are at play here. It's going to be the power of wills. As you've looked at the San Francisco 49ers, over the course of the regular season, they gave up 30 points or more just two times, twice. Once to the Cincinnati Bengals, once to the Baltimore Ravens. Other than that, it was mainly a clean sheet with most of their scores 20 or lower all season long. As we've gotten into the playoffs, though, we have seen a steady decline at the end of the regular season. They give up 21 points to the uh, Green Bay Packers and then 31 to the Detroit Lions. There's been something that it, it's been a bend and break defense of late for the San Francisco 49ers, especially early in games. Now, it should be, you should give credit where credit is due in that. If you look at what they've been able to do uh, in this, the fourth quarters of games, they've been very good. And the mm-hmm. second half, really, against the Detroit Lions was exceptional for the San Francisco 49ers. But you have that defense needs to be what we saw over the course of the majority of the regular season and not what we've seen in the back half of the regular season and really the playoffs, To be to, to be quite honest, when they've been playing better competition.
1: I wanted to take a look at this real quick just to kind of get an understanding of when it happened and kind of what followed after. And I start to wonder how much Hufunga's absence think—it's meant to them.
3: You go back to November 19th and when Talanoa Hufunga uh, got juked out of his britches against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Literally shredded his knee.
3: And Rashad White just went, and his knee went
1: <clears throat> the other way.
3: Uh, that is where you can kind of say, all right, that was the signal for things turning but in the three games immediately after that they played seattle twice and philly once they were really good but they gave up 29 to arizona 33 to the baltimore ravens they played the washington commanders who were just mailing it in and then the the loss to the rams at the end of the regular season i mean that really was a turning point of all right is this defense the same is what we saw early in the year. And I think more teams, to be quite honest, in fungus physicality plays a little bit of a role in this, they haven't been good against the run all season yeah. long, though. And I think as as the season wears on and you get into those later months of the year, and especially in the playoff time, you have to run the damn ball. And that's what all of these teams that are They're having great success do, is run the football, especially outside the tackles.
1: Which is really interesting when you think about like the, the guys that the 49ers have in that front and how physical and versatile they are, and yet they do struggle against the run. You would think having guys like Bosa, that you would think with the size that they've had up front, the addition of Chase Young. Now, are these guys stout against the run? No, but they're also athletically, strength-wise, leverage-wise, some of the most physical components that you can imagine dealing with. So you would think that they would at least be capable, they've just gotten the crap kicked out of them when it comes push comes to shove quite literally on those levels that the the uh the long brothers they've got their podcast they mm-hmm. they have a uh, the panay Sewell like appreciation reel from that game of him pulling out Dude, and amazing. the damage that he did particularly in that first half to the 49ers just on kickouts and and on pulls and coming across they just got mauled, and it made me it reinforced it reinforced further why the Lions got away from the run. It just killed me, but it wasn't like oh you know the Forty Nine ers are competing on the line of scrimmage here. They were just getting throttled, mm-hmm. and it's you start to wonder kind of how that's going to look if, if if they can't even be competitive in the line of scrimmage in the impact plays, whether it's the the third and shorts, the 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 first downs, which. The Chiefs killed, absolutely killed in those first two drives on, was keeping everything second, third, and manageable because they were just getting chunks on first downs.
3: Well, the Javons have been really bad against the run all all season long. Javon, Hargrave, and and Kinlaw. They have, over the course of the year, they've been the weak spot. And it's kind of interesting because everything works inside out. And when you have your defensive tackles who are in They're getting kind of bullied around. Then it opens things up on the outside. It's amazing how that works, right? Because what you have to do as a defense is you have to use linebackers to fill inside. inside. And then all of a sudden, boom, the outsides get exposed a little bit more. And Chase Young, for as high as he was drafted, there's a reason why he was on the market at all Yes, via the Washington Commanders. And it wasn't just just health. (laughs) No. It has been a tough putt for him. Uh, And then Bosa has Bosa is just good. Nick Bosa is an animal, and he has lived up to every bit of hype that he has gotten. But whether it's the Javons or Young, and especially when you have those guys on the same side, just look at what Detroit started doing when you start motioning Pene Sewell to create mismatches.
1: (laughs) Motioning that man is terrifying.
3: But that is kind of where that run game, and then all of a sudden you have to start creeping up, and Boom the passing game opens up for you and that is where the bend, but don't break defense turns into a bend and break defense on the flip side of it though. And look, there is something to San Francisco has won these games. And you mentioned like, I I can't, why Detroit went away from it because schematically San Francisco is telling you, we are not going to let this happen anymore. And then the fumble from Jameer Gibbs, obviously reinforced that did not help the the situation at all. But then they the pressure starts to mount. And you're not gonna get that wavering from Kansas City like you did Detroit or Green Bay, for goodness sakes. You will get their best shot and a they know who they are and an awareness of who they are, and they won't go away from it. And that's the beauty of Andy Reid. That's always been the beauty of Andy Reid. It is But also because them. they have to. It has hurt them at times mm-hmm. um when he was like in Philadelphia, yes. right? But it still is the truth with Andy Reid. He knows his game plan is ironclad because he is one of the smartest offensive minds in in football ever. And yeah. you see when how they come out in games and their adjustments. They're minor tweaks. They're not sweeping overhauls. You're not and taking and crumbling, their identity. And throwing
1: it in the trash.
3: They're patient with mm-hmm. what they are and who they are, and it pays dividends for them, especially when you have a quarterback like Patrick freaking Mahomes. Yeah. But one thing that they have had. To, to lean on, and they haven't looked as scattered when everybody's like, ah, oh, the offense is in disarray, the offense is in disarray. Well, they have committed to the run more with Isaiah Pacheco, and their receivers have caught the damn ball. And that, it, that that's where it comes down to. Which one will will it rear its ugly head again and the drops come back uh, this week in in the most important game? Because they've been super
1: reliable all throughout the playoffs. But in the regular season, where we have the larger sample size, just greased pigs everywhere. Just couldn't hold on to it. So does that rear its ugly
3: head again? Or do we see the 49ers defense, which was very good during the regular season, kind of which settle has, in and it's, revert it's back?
1: Larger sample size. And that's that's always kind of the thing is is you take a look at how things shape up. If I told you that Joe Flacco had his run that he did as as, as a Ravens quarterback that got him paid, that goes against the grain of what we've seen but that's also not normal entirely. You get teams of where you go on runs and spurts and things go well, but usually after a month of it, all those storylines kind of go out the window Mm -hmm. come Super Bowl time.
3: And that's it. That is where you have got And with the two weeks of preparation. I think that that is kind of like the recenter time for the San Francisco 49ers
1: where you become who you were and not who you've been.
3: Because as we noted, like, they took it away in the second half from Detroit, and they said, "You will not beat us here." Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get with Bosa, Armstead, and Chase Young; they just say, "Pin our ears back and go." Pin our ears back and go. You know, it may it may benefit San Francisco from a game plan standpoint to have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes who creates and. You don't pin yours back and try to get to Patrick Mahomes because mm-hmm. that is Contamed. a fool's game yeah. right there. How many times have we seen him just step up, slide over, create some more time, and then all throw of a sudden a
1: duck to Travis Kelsey, get caught in the middle yeah. of the field? Yeah,
3: yeah, he's throwing from the left numbers to the right hash and saying, I can make that throw, yeah. I've got that <laughs> in my bag, creating seven seconds, and finding a guy come open. So it may benefit San Francisco to be like, You guys cannot be ultra aggressive. You can't just pin your ears back and go here. But then again, you could see what Mahomes has been doing is saying, I'm I've felt out every single one of these receivers throughout the course of the season. I'm done with it. I'm I trust Rasheed Rice. I trust Travis Kelsey. And they may have gotten a damn fine boost that we weren't anticipating before. Jarek McKinnon has been activated off the IR, who is another great receiving running back who just so happens to have some familiarity with the San Francisco 49ers. Might be useful. He played for them.
1: Also, always better to uh feel out than feel up. Well, it depends. Yeah, you know. Depends. Well, particularly your wide receivers.
3: Okay. Yeah. Yep. That that is that's good in and, and noted. Hmm. Absolutely noted. 503-864-6326. That is the Vancouver Ford Tech sign. Your dollar goes further at Vancouver Ford. They treat you right before, during, and after the sale. Visit them online, vancouverford.com. Some of your feedback next, Danny and Dusty. Here's Rust.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fair.
3: Five zero three eight six four six three two six. that's the Vancouver Ford Tech sign. We're talking which one will rear its ugly little head first, the bend and break defense of San Francisco that we've seen in the playoffs or the dropsies from the Kansas City Chiefs that we saw throughout the course of the regular season. Mm. You mentioned the body of works that we have. We have a 17-game regular season that's a body of work of consistency from the 49ers defense that has deteriorated with the absence of Talanoa Hufunga. Several injuries kind of across the secondary in general for San Francisco, but they've bowed their backs in crunch time and pivotal times in both of their postseason games. You have the body of work of the Chiefs, which drops across the board and letting Patrick Mahomes down uh, throughout the course of the regular season. They have been dynamite all throughout this season. Which one do you think is going to has the better possibility of showing itself in the Super Bowl on the biggest stage because this is when your faults are highlighted the most Mm -hmm. this is when they come out the most and for me I just look at the way Mahomes is playing I don't think those guys are gonna have a chance to drop the ball I think it's going to be Travis Kelsey with 11 targets again. Rasheed Rice being the guy that you go to in spots, MVS, getting the ball thrown to him. But checking... Darius
1: Tony's not going to be allowed inside the state of Nevada.
3: No, it's going to be checking <laughs> down to Isaiah Pacheco Or now that Jarek McKinnon is back. And in seeing, I don't know, how much he'll be able to be used but you have him available in any capacity, there's another receiving back that's been reliable over his career when he's been healthy, which is few and far between, but he's apparently healthy now. I think that that is less of a worry than what we've seen from San Francisco's defense because there's one thing that you cannot get back, and that is those injuries in in the secondary. Those guys aren't going to be back. Hufunga isn't going to get magically healed and you're gonna have a run support safety who is also a ball hawk back there.
1: It's absolute lunatic back there.
3: We've seen how teams have attacked them and what it opens up in setting the edge and making sure you're not getting gashed at five and a half yards a carry or more is you have to you have to give something to get that edge set. And you don't want to give anything for Patrick
1: Mahomes. And honestly, if if you're gonna be the 49ers and you're going to be this team that relies on, on making big plays of, of being the big time disruptor. I think you kind of have to lean into what you are, which is you're not this run stopping team. And even though Patrick Mahomes is a complete pain to actually bring down, to be disruptive, he also does not with those wide receivers as good as Kelsey is, he's not what he was three years ago, as far as being able to create separation, even in, the plays that break down. Now he's still magical. I'm not taking away from him at all, <laughs> at all. But they do not have a Tyreek Hill, who is going to always be able to create separation in those breakdown plays. Yeah. And if you're gonna if you're gonna rely on something, I think that you're gonna rely on the fact that you do have playmaking defensive players in the passing game. And I think that it's gonna be one of those things where they might just get the crap kicked out of them running the ball.
3: I think what like to highlight that, this text on the Vancouver 4 text line, uh 49ers are decimated in the secondary, and it should be noted uh, that you play better offenses in the playoffs. Well, yeah, you do, but they played some pretty damn good offenses over the course of the yeah, regular season. They did a really good job. They
1: were a great team, so they had a tough schedule.
3: But this one says, uh, Kansas City's been lights out in the first half and disappearing in the second half of playoff games while the mm-hmm. Niners have done the opposite. we will be interesting to see how it plays out on Sunday. To that point, I think that's what you're talking about here is that that lack of having, well, what the 49ers have, which is a counterpunch to no matter how you scheme them defensively, mm-hmm. this is what it's going to come down to. I do anticipate Kansas City and Andy Reid because of the way that he is wired. His What we've seen from him over the course of his 20-plus year career as a head coach is that we will see a, a team that comes out and they will exploit every single thing that they can early in that game. Mm -hmm. And San Francisco is going to have to adjust and they're going to have to play that takeaway game to the point of, they don't have weapon after weapon to rely on like San Francisco does. Will they be afforded to white knuckle this thing to the end? Yes. Like they did against the Buffalo bills because that's what they did against uh, Baltimore. It's just Baltimore played right into their hands.
1: Yeah, that that was sideways. But I mean, you look at the, the they Bills, played conservative, and the, then the I Bills. T- you, I mean, the Bills game, it wasn't Josh Allen because he was incredible. He had other guys just didn't make plays, and we that game goes differently. We're not talking about the Chiefs right now, obviously. I mean, you take a look at just the fourth quarter alone, the things that had to go right for the Chiefs. Now they. That's what great teams do, but. When you talk talk about the the playmakers, if you're looking at the Bills and the 49ers, who do you trust to make the plays? 49ers. And I think that's ultimately what becomes the difference in this, is that the Ravens shied away from who they were. The Bills faltered, where I don't think that the 49ers are going to falter or they're going to shy away from who they are. But if you're looking for that that little crack, and and if you're a 49ers fan, this is where you have a little bit of hope, is that Shanahan's stubbornness or, or lack of stubbornness, I should say, didn't falter last week against the Lions. He stuck with it instead of scrapping everything and throwing it away. I think if you look at how that played out, that might feed into this as opposed to being the guy who says, all right, screw it, we're going with something else, and instead sticks with it because he does have those playmakers on both sides. The more I
3: think about this game, and and I've just kind of been sitting there, and it, it obviously will marinate for this week as well, but it feels like that 47 and a half total i feel it just feels like we're going to get a lower scoring game if you if you love football you this super bowl is going to be amazing cuz it will turn into a chess match but if you love points i just don't know if we're going to get the explosion of points that
1: i feel like it's 23 27
3: it kind of just feels like it'll be a lower scoring game Yeah, it just has that that feeling well, well a big part of that is 20 23 27 hits you
1: hit the over hits there it does but i think it's like i think it's just enough because it's it's because of the the weaknesses in, in the 49ers i think it allows because you look at the chiefs they have they they haven't been this explosive offense that pours it on you they just wear you out where they haven't played any team that has had the offensive components that the 49ers have where you're gonna have to maybe do a little bit more which i think pushes the total up a little bit
3: I love this game. I love this matchup. It's a great I think it's matchup. I just fun. hate both these teams. It's gonna, It's going to be fun <laughs> as hell. I love both these teams. I think they're both great. Mm. This is. This is fun. You being a Raider fan, you mm. have. You are definitely skewed in this yeah, because you can't have joy after no. what happened this weekend. Hey, let's talk about that, <sighs> Danny Dusty on the fan.
0: The Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com.
0: On 1080 The Fan.
3: Metal Monday means Danny just feverishly just taps on the desk over here like he's playing the drums. Damn right.
1: That's why one of my parents brought, bought me a drum kit when I was 10 years old. Because I used to just yeah. beat on everything.
3: Dude, I don't know why people drive, buy their kids drum sets. That's just. Just loudness happening. Started a fight once. Anyway. I don't.
1: Not did in somebody my. Somebody put in, their not balls on your drum set. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so I had my drum set in the garage. Hey, bag. Um, and I had the uh, the garage door like halfway open. Oh. And it was a billion degrees outside. It was one of those yeah. super hot summer days, and my uh, complete d hole of a neighbor came over and just grabbed my garage door and slammed it shut.
3: I don't. You know what? I don't mind that neighbor. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> I, I, was... I think that's. Impl- I think that's fair for the neighbor to do. Well, I mean, maybe he, he should have said, "Keep it down." Y- y- yeah. It, it literally. Yeah, it started a whole thing, and <laughs> my my dad almost. Beat no the way. Crap a out scene was made at the meringue home. Well, the funny thing is, we kind of lived in, in a kinda, in a weird kind of quasi cul-de-sac. Like it drove through, but it had like a big giant opening in it. He was the one the furthest away. Nobody else complained. Mm. Nobody else did anything.
3: Because uh, it was just going right across the, into his home, apparently. Mm. But
1: yeah, it was uh it was a thing.
3: All right. The you can't have nice things as you watch the two teams you hate play in the Super Bowl in yeah. a stadium that your team plays in. Uh Luke Getsey is apparently the new offensive coordinator for the Las Vegas Raiders. Boy, how things change. You you did the mental gymnastics of sticking the landing on Cliff Kingsbury yeah, I being can, your I can, OC. I can see it. That did not last more than twenty-four hours as Cliff Kingsbury appears to be set to join the Washington Commanders as the offensive coordinator under Dan Quinn. And Luke Getze, if you don't know who Luke Getze is, former offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, coming uh, on yes. down. That, I was going to say,
1: get
4: in
3: line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that that just brilliant and intuitive system that the Bears run that everybody is so intimately familiar with and wanting to, to deploy on their own. Good God, if I ever wanted to alive myself over a hiring, that's the one. You went from like, "Hey, Kingsbury,
3: you know what the great thing is, is that we have it in the audio vault at 1080thefan.com or in the Odyssey app." Mm-hmm. You saying, "Well, it could have been worse. It could have been Luke Getzey." Yeah. <laughs> you said that yeah. on Friday. Yeah.
1: And then lo and behold, hey, it's Luke Getze. This is what this is why I always say to everybody when people complain about things in sports, it can always be worse. Me Antonio Pierce is right. Maybe, Cliff Kingsbury, listen, not everybody is
3: uh, cut out to be a Raiders coach. (gasps) Luke Getze is, though. Uh, Luke Getze is. I'm trying to find the
1: redemptive quality here, and I'm like, hey, this means that they made me go go after Justin Fields. And I'm like, that's not the redemptive quality. That makes it worse.
3: For you, in your mind. I think with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Justin Fields could work. No. All right. Maybe. And I don't,
1: and I don't want to see if it does.
3: But you, I think the Bears may be holding on to Justin Fields potentially because of the fact that now Cliff Kingsbury goes to Washington, and the floodgates have now opened. Washington's going to do everything they can to get Caleb Williams, bring him home. He's from Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to play for the Bears, according to Colin Cowherd, who then backtracked it, but didn't whatever.
1: really backtrack it.
3: And now you have Kingsbury who worked with him as a quarterback's coach at USC, calling plays in Washington. Washington may have just leveraged themselves out of any sort of deal that they could get to trade up for the number 1 overall pick because everybody knows that they want him, and now the Bears are going to be like, all right, well, we if we're going to get just a ton of assets for this thing, we'll listen to anybody and everybody that wants to jump up and potentially get Caleb Williams here.
1: I just have a reeling suspicion the Bears are going to mess this up.
3: How are the Bears going to mess up? By just by taking Caleb Williams?
1: No, by keeping Justin Fields.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which,
3: I wholeheartedly feel like this may be, we may be inching closer to that being the reality because they can't take Drake May because their fan base is just going to revolt and be like another North Carolina quarterback. You yeah, can't do that to no, us. No. Like that just, even though that's unfair to Drake May. And it, it could it, be unfair it would be to their like, valuations of him, but... It, it would be
1: like Joe Cronin drafting a 6'3 guard in the draft right now. Like, they just, they could not do it. it he could be the number one overall prospect, and it would not matter because everybody's going to look around and go, no, 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 we've been down this road before, we're not doing this again. And if you look at Chicago, they're looking at that going at, at a North Carolina quarterback with a limited resume and going, mm-hmm. nope, 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 no, I don't care. I don't care if it's a different GM, I don't care if it's a different coach, I don't care what it is, we're not going down that road again. And it's it's dumb, but it's it's just as dumb as you know my bias against Ohio State quarterbacks pre CJ Stroud. It just you is, once you see yeah. it happen enough times, you're just like, now nah, I'm good.
3: But Caleb Williams to the Commanders, it does make sense now. It, it, makes a ton it, of sense. it does make sense if they really want him though, they're going to have to give up a king's ransom to get up to number one to take him.
1: It's going to be interesting to see just what that ransom is. I do you think it's as much. Like, do you think it's as much as, as Carolina gave up for Bryce Young? Cause uh, Caleb's a better quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Not only a better quarterback, but a prospect, everything about him better. But Carolina gave up an arm and a leg to move up.
3: They have so many holes. This is this is what makes it really tough. Do the Bears say we swap one for two? Mm-hmm. And they, they usually, like the the valuation of that, you get you will get some picks. But do they get the Bears get their second round pick back that they traded to Washington for Montez Sweat, mm. and then a little bit more equity in saying, all right, you give us our two back, and then you're probably gonna have to give up a future one in order yeah, because, to make this thing happen. Because they
1: gave up two ones beyond the swap with Carolina, right? So uh-huh. Carolina gave up the swapped ones last year. And then they gave up two more ones.
3: So essentially you would look at it as swapping one and two for Montez Sweat and a future first. Because Montez Sweat then becomes free. It's a free player that they traded for earlier. okay, yeah. And then you go, so they get their number two back, which is the 33rd overall pick. Pretty good pick. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty good pick. Essentially a first. And then you, you move forward... Uh, from there with the 2025 first round pick. Is that going to be enough? Or does the leveraging of saying, if you don't get Caleb Williams, what what is your plan offensively with Cl- Cliff Kingsbury? We want more. Bring more. Their leverage is, is
1: like, fine, we'll take Drake. You keep Justin Fields and we'll see how this goes. The, uh, the Caleb that, Williams that, 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 that's the leverage, leverage is they know that they can't take Drake. Let's let's let's
3: see what we have here with the leverage that the Bears have. Let, let's get back to this because the the Commanders are losing their leverage by hiring Cliff Kingsbury, making it very clear we want Caleb Williams. The, the
1: foreshadowing is there.
3: But what leverage did the Bears have in all of this if Caleb Williams says no?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't want to do this. Danny Dusty on the fan.
0: We're getting you ready for pro football's ultimate matchup.
2: Give us a taste. Mac has a noodle on. Ooh, buddy.
0: This is a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at warrenallen.com.
0: Danny and Dusty on 1080. I got hit in the head with the tortilla. Yikes! The Fan. Hour number two. Thank you for
3: being a part of our day, letting us be a part of yours. Danny and Dusty with you on this Monday of Super Week. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. We were talking about the commander's hiring of Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator. And Dan Quinn had his introductory press conference as the commander's new head coach today. And he gave us this little nugget.
1: There is nothing I enjoy more than doing hard shit with good people. All right. There's a
3: commander's fan out there. That's getting that tattooed on their body somewhere. Mm. Maybe over their lower back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) What I'm wondering is, is is, is Kingsbury going to find a a pad as good as the one he had in Arizona? Hmm. That house, you, you, have you ever seen the photos? that, yeah, that kind of went where viral? he did
3: the COVID draft.
1: Yeah, that giant bay of a living room out looking out over maybe the, something
3: over the, on the Potomac.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's not quite as, <laughs> not quite the same <laughs> <You>
3: feel. Think
1: <laughs> Scottsdale, it's Scottsdale. Yeah, up I in have the a hills. feeling a
3: desert's going to be hard to find in DC, <laughs> but not just
1: that. Like that, that was, a, was Oh, a, you think
3: they got, they got tons of rich people over there. Yeah, I know, but, but it's, 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 a it's, it's
1: a different kind of vibe. Like that's a. Uh, that's old money.
3: He's going to outer banks. It'll look outer banks ish. Yeah, right? yeah, right. It'll it'll be a it'll be a yeah, it'll be a different East Coast. It's not gonna like, have it's beachy. not gonna have eyes
1: wide shut like uh, some weird stuff happened here.
3: Oh, there will yeah, it'll have that look because there's definitely gonna be weird stuff that happens there. Oh, for
1: sure. I yeah. mean <laughs> come on now. I mean, you look at look at that clip and you you know weird <laughs> yeah. stuff
3: happens. Yeah, there, right? absolutely. But you hire Eric Bienemy is out, will not be retained. Weird. Yeah.
1: Well, the storyline on that is is, is uh, of the enemy. Remember the, the outrage over, he's not being hired because he's black. And it's like, no, he's not being hired because they don't like him across the league. And now he's unceremoniously getting swept to the side. And nobody really cares anymore because the cat's kind of out of the bag. Almost had a
3: mutiny this past year as the offensive coordinator in, in D.C.
1: So remember, last segment like I said, it can always get worse there you go there it is
3: (laughs) but we were talking about the commanders and they obviously are lining this up because they want caleb williams they're at number two the reports have been caleb williams doesn't want to go and play in chicago they don't trust ownership in chicago and with the bears to surround a team with him now do what leverage does chicago have then if caleb because the leverage for the commanders it's waning because everybody. you have signaled to everyone that this is where you want to yeah. go. Because Drake May is a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Does he fit Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury in the the style of play? No. Was Cliff King, Kingsbury his position coach? No. You're making this hire mm-hmm. for a specific person yes. out there. And so they want to see if Caleb Williams can leverage his way to get to D.C., his hometown, and play for the commanders. So where does this leave the Bears? What leverage did the Bears have? Because... Caleb Williams is playing this like he is John Elway or like he is Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. And does he have that power? And that's an interesting one because John Elway had a place to go. John Elway could go in and play Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. is what he said he was going to go and do. If Baltimore drafted him, nope, I'm not I'm, I'm not good. going. I'm going to go and play baseball. And he had that that golden parachute. Eli Manning had the Manning family, the Manning family behind him. No. Is Caleb Williams? Where does he go and what does he do if it's not Chicago? And that's what teams are. Like, like That's what Chicago's banking on is like. If we love the guy and if we can, we can convince him that you know coming here is an okay place. Like that's that's what they're going to be banking on. But if he shows that's up risky and plan. he's a malcontent, yeah, then for five years is he just not going to do anything?
1: Trying to find his way his way out at all times. I know it sounds cliche, but you want the guy to want to be there. If you have to convince him,
3: do you want him there? But doesn't that seem like a bit of a red flag for Caleb Williams? That sure. if things don't go well, like Washington, it's going to put a lot of eggs in that basket. And, it was, and if things don't go well, do the fingers start to
1: get pointed? 100%. Does he just
3: say, I want out? I want to, this isn't working for me, and you guys are the
1: problem. It's not me. I mean, those are the questions about Caleb: is how he's, you know, how does he handle adversity? You know, he didn't handle it very well against the, the loss to Utah. Hadn't been losses great. to Utah. The uh, the and then people got very up, you know, upset with him because he was crying in the stands with his parents, which I have zero issue with. It's the last time he was playing college football. Like that was, I felt like that was kind of overblown. But the adversity stuff, it, the adversity stuff on the field does not bother me because I think he reacts I mean this is a guy who tried to basically play with a torn hamstring. I think as far as a gamer, he's a gamer. It's
3: just getting him to the field.
1: It's <laughs> yes, like like the the adversity stuff like once the game's over. I think that's where it becomes a little bit more of a I don't want to say an issue, but these are the same things we were we, we wouldn't that be a, is he a good teammate? And that's what you what you hear about the stuff at USC his teammates loved him. Loved him
3: outside of that one report where they there were some mostly defensive guys that gave the good riddance thing,
1: the the team being catered to him, a diva quarterback, all those things, but went out of his way to take care of guys at all times, whether you the top of the roster, bottom of the roster. That those are the things that I kept hearing about him. The question I have is remember, I mean, we we, we have revisionist history now because Eli's a hall of famer and wins Super Bowls. He was a crybaby bee, and we crushed him and his family. I mean, the things that were said about Eli Manning leading to that draft and then draft night when they basically gave the double-barrel bird to the Chargers, they got annihilated. The first family of football got destroyed. So did the Spanos family for being what they had been. but
3: uh, Continue to be.
1: Continue to be. Thank you. (laughs) But I, I don't think – the flip side is of the Bears organization, they're very much in the same kind of boat as the Chargers have been as it pertains to ownership. Now, they've been more willing to spend money, but they have been dysfunctional at every managerial and operational hire for – what when was the Super Bowl? Was it 06?
3: This is Rex Grossman. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right.
1: So for almost 20 years? And that was only because your defense was god tier. I mean, I just.
3: Their front office has been an absolute disaster, and you didn't make the changes. But with pulls, but he has been drafting okay. Better,
1: but now Darnell White, the bars not
3: a great pass blocker. No. His run blocking was through the roof. Sure, but it's you great have for your
1: quarterback who doesn't throw.
3: You have massive holes though, on the offensive line and in your offense. DJ Moore, you do have a receiver finally. Sure. Maybe you can. You know, use a trade to to squeeze some assets out of a, another team. Like if Washington and Washington won't be willing to to part with Terry McLaren, because why would you be like, you know what? We want Caleb Williams and nobody to throw the ball to. Yeah, you know that the, the, the it, Panther strategy that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Get Here's TJ
1: Moore. Of. We don't want him to actually have somebody for Bryce Young
3: to throw to. He saw how that worked out, <laughs> and nobody to block for him. Yeah, order on. It's a disaster. But can you can you squeeze another move to get another receiver and maybe maybe that is maybe that's the plan and that's the ploy from for Chicago from here until the draft at the end of April is you sit there and you go all right we are going to try to set up
2: the best way that we
3: can to say we have DJ Moore we have Cole Komet now we went and we got a number two a number three and we have our tight end here it's is that going to be good enough to say, we're surrounding you with weapons?
1: It's a start, but just from what I see, from what I look at, I just, I think this is DOA. I think it's dead on arrival. I don't. It's pretty tough. I don't think the Bears can do anything here, and the closer we get to the draft, the less leverage they have. And what would be hilarious in all of this is that if everybody else knows it, and everybody's talking to Washington about somehow moving up to two to get Caleb Williams because they know, and not not, not that Washington wouldn't take them, but if everybody knows that Caleb is a hundred percent not going to the Bears, I will not report. I will not be there. I will burn your organ. Like if he's willing to go full scorched earth. And I would love it
3: if the Bears just said,
1: dude, call them on it. Try me. That's like, I don't think that they have the huevos for that. I don't, I there's maybe five organizations I think in the NFL who would be willing to do that because they have so much capital that they could. If they're that dysfunctional, they'd do it. Well, that's I guess that's the the, the, the other side of that coin. But because who did who did San Diego draft? Fair.
3: <laughs> they drafted him and said we'll figure it out. But but, they, but try me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I just wonder if all, all of a sudden organizations are like well we're going to deal with Washington instead.
3: That would be funny,
1: just because they know that the leverage that Chicago is completely out leveraged. It's kind of insane to think about that, but I I wonder See, if it's uh, if it ever reaches that point.
3: Yeah, I I would I would flip it because then Chicago could just say, "Why deal with them when you can deal with us?" And they're going to draft him at two, and we you can just jump and make sure you get him because Chicago could always say, "No, we're going to call him on his BS."
1: It's fair. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be the storyline. It would and be really funny unless they trade fields before the draft. It's gonna be the storyline of the draft.
3: Love it, love it. All right, hey, the Blazers swept over the weekend. The trade deadline just three days away. What will we see from Rip City the next time they take the floor against Detroit on Thursday? Danny and Dusty on the fan.
0: The Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com.
0: On 1080 The Fan.
2: As heard on our last installment of Awe on
3: Friday, Jeff Rust posed the question which is more probable? The Blazers get swept in Denver in their two game set, or they win one? Uh, we've all said swept. We both said swept in that one. Guess,
4: I wasn't gonna say swept or sweep because we, we, we knew the sweep was not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing yeah. is Yeah, that's right.
1: The Blazers they did acquit themselves. I thought the Blazers
3: played pretty damn well in their two losses in Denver. Uh one twenty to one oh eight on Friday, and then yesterday a one twelve, one oh three defeat at the hand of the Nuggets where they came out fire, man. Thirty seven points in the first quarter. It was like whew all right, here we go now. Yeah. And then just the slow trickle of this team does not have depth and they got tired and wore
1: out. Yeah. Two of the best players, Jeremy Grant, and Malcolm Brogdon, both out. So it's not exactly a surprise. Uh, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, uh, you, you come out again. I, I will never forget this as long as I'm alive and covering basketball. Uh, we had uh, Terry Porter on Outsiders one night uh, in the 2019 playoff series, and he got there probably an hour early. And I asked him about playoff stuff and playing in Denver, and just and when we started talking about playing in Denver, especially in games that matter, his eyes just kind of like glazed over, and he was like, "Man, there is no worse place to play. There's just it just sucks." He goes, "That altitude saps every last bit." out of your legs. And if you remember Terry Porter in his prime, there were not many athletes in better shape than Terry Porter in his prime.
3: Dude was jacked. And, <laughs> all those guys were. Oh, God,
1: that, te- that whole team was jacked. But, I mean, Terry Porter was just a specimen. If, if This is a guy who prides himself on playing, you know, press defense 38 minutes a night. Just a dude who's just after you all night long. And he was just like, the thing about playing in Denver is, no matter when you get there, the first shift and the first 15 minutes are going to kick your butt. There's no, It there's, doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter who you are. There's no overcoming it. Unless you live there, which is why it's such an advantage, it is going to get you. Now, can you survive those first 15 minutes? And if you can survive those first 15 minutes and be in the game or have a push to kind of figure it out down the stretch, then you've got a chance any given night. Any night. But that first 15 minutes, Portland on Friday got the crap kicked out of it. They can only score 20 points. They got nothing. They got no legs. Shots aren't falling. But then you saw them warm into the game, and the shot-making started coming. And Scoot Henderson comes out and goes bonkers in that second quarter.
3: Scoot's been playing really well lately. Since
1: January 1st, he's averaging 14-4, and almost 5. His shooting is still lagging behind just under 40%, but he's shooting 35.5% from 3, which, passable. Passport, especially considering his biggest issue now is the inconsistency finishing at the rim. He was one for ten on twos yesterday. Yeesh. Just stuff rolling out being altered. He's got to figure out his footwork. That's as much as everybody wants to talk about his shooting. For me, and we talked about this. I want to say about a week ago, Scoot's footwork is the thing that he needs to sort out the soonest because if he can get to the rim and finish and be a, an above average or plus finisher, that opens everything else up.
3: Again, nineteen, lot or twenty now.
1: Yeah, just turned twenty. Old. He's now he's no longer a teenager.
3: He's got a lot of time,
1: and you're see, you're already seeing the that. growth. you I mean, you saw it Friday night when he gets out there, and he's the kind of the guy that answers the bell first. Then Anthony Simons comes to life, and he just starts torching them. Then you had um, Duop Wreath knock down some shots. You started getting green light. Du-up. Listen, listen. If there's one thing I love about Wap is you do not work they've got some guys on this team and Chris Murray and Jabari Walker and Tamani Kamara who are young guys who are figuring it out. And they maybe they get a catch and shoot opportunity. And you see a little hitch like they're questioning. "Eh, I'm not shooting real well. And you let this go
3: last night with Tamani.
1: Yep. But it hits Wop's hands. He's open. That thing going up. No questions about it. It's, it is the, it is the Wes Matthews of, of bigs. People used to call Wes a black hole. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what he's out there to do. She's, Shoot he's out there to play defense and shoot. Wop is out there to spread the floor, take threes, and and be a hustle guy. So if he gets an opportunity on a trailing three, let it go. But Duop Reith
3: is not the guy that, like, we, we talk about the building blocks and foundational pieces. That he's a rookie, have but he's 28 years old. Moving forward here in Portland. Yeah. He's not that guy. I think what you're seeing is a lot of those building block guys, though. And you, look, Chris Murray. Chris Murray experience. starting lineup, and, huh? he,
1: and he came out last last night. And did he have this incredible game? He had eight, two, and two. But you saw the comfort, you saw the confidence. Go back to the beginning of the year. I know for a fact he was struggling with his confidence. It, it hurt him. Like he he head down, sad ticker.
3: But there are growth signs almost at every turn, which I think mm-hmm. it tells you that. Whatever you think about Chauncey Billups and his ability to coach his team to a championship, what he's doing right now, this team is growing.
1: You're seeing the benefits, and you you got DeAndre Ayton's best game out of him. last and
3: night. DeAndre Ayton has been playing lights out since he has reacclimated himself after the knee tendonitis. This is my question moving forward. You get guys like Malcolm Brogdon has taken uh, for every game he plays. It's, it's seemingly he has a rest night.
1: They're they're ma- for everybody wondering about, oh, they sit Malk because they're trading him. No, they sat him because they're managing him because Malcolm Brogdon has been a guy throughout his career who just gets dinged up. He took a knee to the, like, right above his thigh. Um, I want to say it was, was that L.A.? I think it was L.A. because him and Scoot, it was the same game that Scoot got knocked out of. Um, they both had the same thing happen where they essentially hyper extended their leg when they took a knee right to the thigh and Scoot ended up missing a game and malcolm Coming back and missing, I think the next one. But well, they both took deep, deep hits to the to the and quad, I, and they, they're sore.
3: I think that four days before the trade deadline, when Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogden are both out of the lineup, everybody goes, "Are they getting traded?" Yeah,
1: and the thing with Jeremy, I'll tell you right now, the, the guy has had electrodes on his back basically every night following the game. What, the is, him. what is
3: bothering What does this team look like on Thursday, though?
1: As it stands right now, uh, Mark Stein had the exact same reporting that I've had now for a couple weeks, and nothing has changed. This is from his substack this morning. Malcolm Brogdon has been openly lobbying the Trailblazers to keep him beyond Thursday's trade deadline. Malcolm Brogdon has told Sean Hyken, has told Jason Quick, has told myself. uh, I have heard from those in the Blazers organization. I've heard from other teams that have called about Malcolm. Most of the league is called about Malcolm Brogdon. Most of the league is called about Malcolm Brogdon. Same thing was true of Jeremy Grant. Everything Every uh, opposing team office that I have talked to has said no traction. No traction on either guy. And that has not changed. And as we get closer to the trade deadline, unless the Portland Trailblazers, they are, as I understand it, the Trailblazers are not interested in, in draft capital for Malcolm Brogdon. They want. Players that matter. So under 25, players that they can build
3: with. Those guys don't get dealt at the deadline. We know that. Typically History not. tells us that. Very rarely do. Mostly guys that are dealt at the deadline are periphery edge edge mm-hmm. guys. Bolster your roster type guys. Do we see the home run trade You know for big stars? Yeah, yeah, occasionally. But at this point right now with where Portland is mm-hmm. in their rebuild
1: and where the way that they're playing
3: the way that they have we've seen strides and growth look does this mean that they're going to try to win in the in this back half they're not trying to lose games by the way their their roster as we saw last night just isn't good enough no. to be quite and honest and that's what they
1: know again they have played they have played 50 games dusty and they've won 15 this is going to happen naturally this is who they are
3: and so where a move in the value of Malcolm Brogdon will be fortified is as you get into the offseason as you get closer to the draft where teams say we need an upgrade we don't need to get younger we need to get older that's when you make a move for a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon which is where we can all kind of see that happening but I do believe that there is something too when you have both Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon saying essentially the same thing which is we've been part of this before Mm -hmm. and we've seen this before and this isn't like Detroit That if we were playing well, they would give us the
1: hook and say, we're not playing to win, which is what Jeremy Grant went through. No, and I, I will tell you wholeheartedly, there has been no message from the Blazers front office to Chauncey Billups to lose games. There is no onus of like, hey, we need to make sure we're X, Y, or Z in position. That has not been the case, which is why you see them trying to be competitive in games. And everybody says, oh, you know, they, they, they've got to suck, they've got to lose, they've got to maximize. And this we were talking about this off-air uh, last week on Friday. Personally, I am sick and tired of existing on the poles of you, you turning all the optimization levels all the way up all the time. Reality does not live there. There are competing interests across the board. You can't have a franchise go out there, particularly in this market, go out there and (laughs) and win 18 games a season for four years and stockpile assets. It's not going to happen. They will tune out. this This market is already. We are a little more than halfway into the season, and mode is not empty, but it's not what it has been. And that's the thing is like, as much as it's a diehard basketball city, it's a diehard basketball city. It's not a front running city, but it wants to have something it can lock its teeth into. And right now they don't have that. And so the organization can't sit there and go, yeah, no, we're just going to spin our wheels for four years and throw money down the drain. So they're, they've got to continue to at least. Couldn't you argue this is year three of that, though? It is, though. Yes, it absolutely is. And the organization is not going to take any steps back from what they are right now. And, but at the same time, the only steps back are like going from what they are right now to one of the three worst organizations in basketball. You don't want you don't want to live there because there's no guarantee that you're going to get that pick. And uh, somebody asked if, if uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports said that the Blazers kind of envision themselves like the Rockets next year, where maybe they add some guys and guys get a little bit better and they take a step forward. And it's like, yeah, that that very much sounds like what the Blazers do. And people were kind of pushing back on me on Twitter. And it's like, guys, the Rockets are twelfth right now in lottery odds. They're still not good. <laughs> they're still a lotto team. It's that's that's the world that they're still in. Like it's that's still a part of the process. Do I want to see Cooper Flag in Portland next year? Yes, yes. Come draft time at twenty twenty five, I would love to see Cooper Flag or Ace Bailey in Portland. But let's say the Blazers get lucky and end up top two in the draft this year, and they get one of Alex Saar or Zach Rizachet or or uh, Cody Williams, and their front court looks a lot better going forward. Dusty, they have nine guys with a year experience or less on their roster right now. They add two more, that it's 11.
3: It's not good, Bob.
1: Think about that. So just like you have to look at the whole picture of what they're trying to do, where they are, and where they're going to understand this. And it's that they're not this... Team stuck in hell that they were for five years. Where you, well, if we just add Mario Hazonia or Al Farouk Aminu's production at the four, actually equates Projects to a 53.8 50, 53 53. to be exact. Yeah, just we we don't have to do that with this team. They are years away from even having to have stupid discussions like that.
3: All right, so we're assuming things are quiet on the trade front before Thursday's
1: deadline. It's, as of right now, and again, everything is fluid and, and everything can change. But right now, that's where we sit. All right, coming up next, it's time for our worst day on the web. And ladies and gentlemen, I have two words for you. Cocaine hippos. But first, here's the big news: sports center update.
0: You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash this down? It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at warrenallen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fan. It's time for today's worst day on the web. With Danny and Dusty on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan. That
1: sucks. Cocaine Hippos. Not the name of my new band. Oh. Not the name of my new band. That is
3: a great band name, though. It's a fantastic band. Actually, this text on the Vancouver 4 text line, Cocaine Hippos sounds like
4: a band Rust would listen to. Let's face it, Danny's band would be Artificial Hips.
1: Wow! Jeez. Wow! <laughs> My goodness! <Jeez. laughs> I don't know why. Just like the aggression, str- the aggression just there, straight for it, man! <laughs> goodness! Artificial <Okay>. bones? <laughs> way we can cover. Are more we than okay just here? Goodness! <laughs> wow! That one, that one felt like it had some angst behind it. God, maybe <laughs> next time. I'm, I'm whatever. What, what did you want to eat? Next, I'm gonna make sure I order it and just brush it past your nose. <laughs> uh back to cocaine hippos. Yes. For those not familiar with yes. this, Pablo Escobar brought in Hippos to his own private zoo. Yeah, he had a zoo, man. And if you were if you
3: had more money than you knew what to do with in Colombia, and you would just had like warehouses full of money that mm-hmm. the rats were eating, and you would like chalk up a few million loss to rats yeah.
1: every year. El Ratonus.
3: I think that a zoo is a really cool thing. That it's you a can great have. way to launder money. I, mean, I don't think that's even laundering money. I mean, you, I think you you're, it's put, just you're like, putting
1: it into it's a cash business, right? Down there back uh,
3: then. I don't know. It was because you couldn't go and visit it. It wouldn't be like, hey kids, we're going to go to the cocaine baron's house. She'll so go to the zoo today. That's, Could sounds- you imagine that? If like the, you're going up to the Oregon Zoo, <laughs> like just by some drug lord owned it, and you're like, hey kids, come on,
1: let's go see the hippos. I mean. That's what we should do.
3: <laughs> Privatize zoos.
1: Saying, you know, it was like his own private little. He could just was go little, there. Wasn't little.
3: It was very big. It was well, very it big. Multiple hippopotami.
1: Yes, so many hippopotami. Uh, their population has multiplied to over a hundred and seventy hippos because they're out in the wild and they are invasive. And no, the anaconda ain't got none. They are not going after the hippos. So there's, there's no predator. So you you get you got some crocodiles, okay. But the piranha, they aren't taking down the hippos. What is the
3: predator of the hippopotamus?
1: I would imagine in Africa it's the Nile crocodile, or maybe a lion.
3: Okay. So for those oh crocodiles and. Lions and spotted hyenas are known to prey there on you young hip, young hippos. Young,
1: because once they get big, they don't have a predator. Yeah. For those who don't know, the hippos are mean. They may only have a couple teeth, but they are mean. Yeah, and they, they are nasty.
3: They kill more. They kill more humans annually than have ever been killed by sharks. Is yeah. that right? Yes. Is that? I, I yeah. think that's a.
1: Hip, hippos are are crazy. They, they you see them on. Uh, on land, you're like, oh, that big thing ain't doing nothing, but no, they're insane.
3: I wonder if the inbreeding of this these 170 hippopotamus, hippopotami, are what is leading to them getting more aggressive, because a few years back, it was like, yeah, the hippos are here, but they kind of keep to themselves. Yeah,
1: because there's three females and one male, and that population of four hippos has now grown to over 170. Yeah. Because, again, there's nothing invasive. <laughs> busy. Yes there's nothing invade or there's nothing in, in their in their circle that's predatory about them and they des- they're destroying the fish populations they're destroying the the tributaries and the rivers because of the of how they behave and how they interact and I mean it's the amazon so it's already one of the most you know volatile structures in the world that's you know being destroyed by a million other things. Well,
3: and if the movie Deliverance taught us anything, it's that decades of inbreeding leads to aggression.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Probably translates to hippos too. I would imagine. Are we going do we have like the 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 you know, Hills Have Eyes version of hippos here?
3: I think that's what we're getting there. Is that was is that what we're getting at. Are they killing
1: people yet? Uh they are attacking people. Damn, they are attacking people. Uh, they are uh, the they are having part of the issue is, is that um, they don't know how to deal with them. They have become a, a, incredibly unpredictable and aggressive, and that the advisory that has been put out to uh, humans is to uh, run and hide.
3: Hunt, hunt. Oh, not hunt them.
1: Well, that's what they're, they're they're putting forth legislation right now because it's, it's kind of the same issue that we have here in Oregon with sea lions. Yeah. Too many. There's, there, you, it's, a, it's a kill on sight thing. Did you know that there there have been a, what is it, a Nile crocodile was spotted in the Everglades? What? I would imagine some collector, some pet dude, put let one go the That's same that way that we dude. have the pythons. And they have a kill on sight order now in Florida on those. So it's I would imagine we're going to get there with a the hippopotamus. Why, yeah. why, why can't the poachers just go take care of that?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at. This can't be true. What? I'm looking at animals that you don't know are deadly as deadly to humans.
1: i mm-hmm.
3: I'm on discoverwildlife.com.
1: What what do we got here?
3: That's from the that's a it's an arm of the BBC. Oh, okay. How many hi, how many hippo deaths are there each year? How I'd many say, humans die at the foot of a hippopotamus? I'd say a couple hundred. 500. Yeah. That's crazy. Those things are mean, man. Elephants, how many? Ooh, 300? 500 as well. Yeah. But the saltwater crocodile, 1,000 deaths per year. Yeah,
1: well, here's the issue. You have water You have water shortages in a lot of places, particularly al- yeah. along the Nile Corridor, where you have to put yourself in a dangerous position to go get water. And they yeah, will I run deep, 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 deep down that Nile. No,
3: these are all humans that die. Uh, 2,500 Deaths per year from parasitic worms. Oof. That's gross. Getting inside you. Yeah. Scorpions, 2,600 deaths a year.
1: What? Yeah. Yeah, they
4: can screw
3: right off.
1: Really? It's that high? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were that bad. Like, it's, don't be me wrong. It sucks to get stung by a scorpion, yeah. but I didn't know they were deadly, deadly.
3: Yeah, I don't know. that's really? a, like, That's, a, again, I am no... Uh, really? Scorpionis order uh, Expert here Assassin bugs 10,000 deaths per year I don't even know what that is But it's Central and South America They'll kill you that, Gosh, South America Now Columbia's got the
1: hippos and the death bugs I'm out The Arizona bark scorpion mm-hmm. Is the only deadly scorpion Present in the US Well there we go See, it's not that bad. This is why I like living in Oregon. That's
3: why I like living in Oregon, because I have not named an animal that is killing all these people that lives in Oregon.
4: Well, and according to this texter, hippos don't have to worry about paying their bills either. He says full-grown hippos don't have creditors, just like rhinos, elephants, and a few others. (laughs) Who Creditors.
3: (laughs) Uh, Watch out for the IRS. They'll get you. Uh, freshwater snails. I think we may have those, but they kill two hundred thousand people per year.
1: That, that seems aggressive. <laughs> How? Poisoning them?
3: Yeah, they're just poisonous, and people eat them.
1: That many people are eating them? Yeah. Yeah. Two hundred thousand? I
3: don't know. That's not a lesson you learn twice. They also con- contaminate fresh water, and so what happens is like they will release their poison. In the water that you're in, and it can penetrate your skin. Yo! That doesn't sound fun.
1: Where the hell is that at so I can avoid that one? That's a, yeah, that's a new fear. New fear unlocked. Awesome.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Good night. And then, oh, the look at this. Uh, outside of mosquitoes, which kill between se- 725,000 and a million people each year.
1: Yeah, that one makes sense because they transmit
3: the biggest killer of humans are in fact human beings.
1: <laughs> no way! Yeah.
3: yeah, not surprised. Yeah, there. about yeah. a half
1: million. Yeah, those malaria pills work for a reason with mosquitoes. Goodness, I had no idea about most of these animals on here. Yeah, the snails. That's that's yeah, that made my skin crawl.
3: Yeah, because they'll just uh, they'll poison Suck your water. Suck it, and then cocaine then hippos poison you, but co- a hippopotamus, and, and they're like they're they're coming up to schoolyards in Colombia, yes,
1: which again like. Columbia, a it's lot quite of... quite the recess. Yeah. Don't... Just because friend shape does not make make friend. Do do not try to boop the snoot. Yeah. The hippo, though, is...
3: The, now, I'm thinking hippo and elephant, they probably have the best rap out of any deadly animal. Like, because we all fear sharks, and we fear... Yeah, there's nothing jaws. scary about an
1: elephant or a we, hippo except for their size.
3: We fear crocodiles, but hippos and, and sharks have been... Made out in cartoons and stuff to be these lovable creatures.
1: Elephants, not sharks.
3: I mean, hippos and elephants, yeah.
1: yeah. Although sharks were made out to be lovable creatures in, in Finding Nemo. Fish are friends, not food.
3: That's right. See? Well, that was a support that's, that's group. A, that's,
1: a, that's I mean, that's, that's p- a shark propaganda. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. That's planning in our children's minds that AA is a thing, and yeah. it was like shark AA. Mm-hmm. Is, hey, we're going to have this support group. We're going to stick together, and we're going to make sure we don't eat people. Hey,
1: Mommy and Daddy, the sharks go to the same group you do. <laughs>
4: Dude, that's rough. Helps a lot of people. Um, yeah. I saw old uh, Pat Oswalt said we just need to drop a bunch of giant marbles over into Pablo's Zoo there Ooh, for the hippos.
3: I'll take care of them. They're hungry, hungry hippos.
1: Oh, yeah. That one went well in my head.
3: This seems <laughs> like it is something that the Colombian government could take care of very easily. They have a lot of guns. But they're not.
1: Also, what if you just gave the cocaine hippos cocaine?
3: That would by probably be in your worst interest. I I kind of want to see what happens. They probably would just be very energetic. Yeah, I, they
4: wouldn't eat. touch. Touch more aggressive. How much cocaine would it take for a lot of hippo co- poop?
1: How much cocaine would it take for a for a hippo to get high? I don't know. I don't think a little bumps doing it. <laughs>
3: yeah, this goes back to w- Will Darkins as the text lines pointing out. Will Darkins once claimed on air he could defeat a hippo with his bare hands. And that is something Darkens, he's he's taking to his grave.
1: Yeah,
3: um, he's hit the point of no let's, return.
1: Let's let's set that cage match up, and then I will put all of my money on the hippo. Yeah, but the hippos
3: are also fast.
1: That's They're something dumb don't fast know. on land. People That's what don't I was know saying.
3: that. D- top speed of nineteen to twenty eight miles per yeah, hour. Yeah, and
1: they weigh like what three thousand pounds.
3: Yeah, it's a zigzag. Yeah, he's got a zigzag. Serpentine. That's gotta
4: be straight
0: line.
3: Serpents straight line speed.
0: <laughs> Imagine getting <laughs>
4: and then in the water, it's not that they're fast swimmers, they run across along the bottom bank.
1: Well, oh, not just that. Have you seen them do like the whale swim? Yeah. And they 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 breach it's oh, it's terrifying, man. It something that big should not move that fast. <laughs> so there you go. Cocaine hippos. Hippos make great D tackles.
3: Yeah. Just put, put them in one. 40, for, Just to run stuff.
1: 49ers. That's, that's the Vince <laughs> Wilfork. Not getting uh, through that book, a gap. See some. This is why world. the hippopotamus
3: needs to be. I think it's a great m- mascot. Uh, there's a there's a hippos. There's one. Yeah. Why don't in Texas we have enough hippo? Hippos. Like what? I think it, it's a it's a lost space. There. It
1: really is because like you can like in, you can do some great cartoon work with.
3: Hippos. What is it? The I think it's the Huddo hippos down in Texas. Like, they're like football powerhouse. They're the hippos. Look.
1: Oh, Hills Hillsboro could be the hippos.
3: The tr- that that would be a great one. But that's that's the hill the hill high hippos is better than the Spartans. Right? Yeah.
1: Spartans are everywhere. Yeah. The hippos, that's the that's that's where you can make some money. Just saying. All right, coming up next, speaking of making money, uh the NFL continues to just plow through all of the billions of dollars and yet still put their teams on terrible fields. Danny and Dussy, of the Fan.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fair.
1: How much money do you think collectively the, the net worth of the NFL adds up to?
3: Are you talking like owners and team valuations? Mm-hmm. And then their annual, annual income is around mm-hmm. $20 billion. Each team is averaging around $2 billion, like. On average, so I'm going to say $200 billion.
1: Close to 100, I, $163 billion. Yeah, okay. 163, that seems about right. Which is an obscene amount of money. And yet, the San Francisco 49ers are yeah. playing at UNLV on turf that was installed weeks ago. Excuse me, sod that was overlaid over the top of turf weeks ago, as opposed to being done in like December, far ahead of time, so that it could take root and be good. And what ends up happening is every NFL field is graded or rated based on its hardness. And you want to have a rigidity to it so that it doesn't give. So I don't know, you don't tear an ACL. Are we are we are we doing another field thing? Is yes. this another yes, Super we're, Bowl we're, where a field is We're okay. well, this is the practice field, not the main field. So the Ra- <laughs> so we got that. The Raiders field, the one that's being in for the Super Bowl is being rolled in. It's a big giant cart Should track Shouldn't the, the 49ers be accustomed to a crappy playing surface? You would think playing in Santa Clara Oh, they just wanted to make them feel at home. Yeah, there you go. So the average grade of like a 0 to 100 hardness scale is 78 for an NFL field. There is not a field in the NFL that scores below a 70. The practice field that the 49ers are playing on right now is in the low 50s. So they're basically playing on mush. Which is uh,
3: very similar to Levi Stadium. Maybe they did want them to make feel at home. This is, you can't have this though. How can you prepare for a game and you have these sorts of conditions though. And I think that's what the particularly 49ers offensive is bowl be. last
1: year when the field sucked.
3: Yeah. And this is also the fear. We had a world cup coming to mm-hmm. the States. Yeah. Jarrah's world is going to be hosting
1: <laughs> the place that has the lowest graded field in the NFL.
3: Well, it, they well, they play on turf, so they're going to have to do something similar to what we're yes. seeing here, which is they're going to go and lay the sod down over the turf at Jerry's World. Hopefully they do it more than a week or two in advance of this. But this is the concern in the, in the soccer world, is that you are not going to put this, the World Cup, the biggest game in the world, yeah. is not going to be on a field that is permanently a grass field. This is a major concern for anybody who plays, plays a sport on natural grass, and then... But
1: only that, soccer is meant to be played, and it's it's an issue when you talk about playing here in Portland with the the thorns and timbers, because they play on turf and not on real grass.
3: And not to mention that they're doing this, they they have them practicing at UNLV out of convenience, Mm -hmm. because the Raiders Raiders, uh, stadium and their practice facility is going to be used by the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. were going to get in UNLV... I've been there and taken the the facilities tour at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Their football facility is top notch. Yes, they, it it truly is. Their
1: facilities in general at UNLV are great. It, it is
3: incredible. They're in their weight room, their meeting rooms, mm-hmm. it is. It's it's really nice there.
1: It does not match their production on the field,
3: but you have this practice field is going to be a storyline throughout the the playoffs. And look. If you're the 49ers, with the history of injuries that they have had with their key players, this is the worst-case scenario as you're leading up to the biggest game of the year. And this is like just one of those distractions that you hear, you want to have the distractionless week of preparation. Well, here we are. It it appears, though, that the game field, it should be okay, even though the Raiders' field was dead at the end of the regular season, if we all remember seeing that, and they were painting over dirt in the end zones. Which
1: makes no sense because it's inside!
3: It, it, well, and well, they they wheel it out every day.
4: Again, but, something the Raiders should be used to playing on playing on dirt. Yeah.
3: Which again, go Oakland, back to Oakland. Yeah,
1: go back to Oakland. Make sure you do make it. that good slide into second base where they painted over the the dirt.
3: So this is going to be our storyline of the year. It's going to uh, the Super Bowl is the forty nine ers for an uh, industry that janky is, practice that is field. worth
1: essentially two hundred billion dollars. Cool.
3: Yeah. You'd why?
1: Think, why? Look, look. We uh, we've looked at this a million times because it's, it's cool as it could be. Real Madrid, the world famous soccer club, has a grass uh, field situation that is the best in the world. It's quite literally these tables, these sections that have that live underground under the stadium <laughs> with this built-in UV light that they roll like, it, it's on a, it's on a uh, section of lifts yeah. that gets put in and out and it makes when it comes together what looks like a pool table. It's really cool. It's incredible. It's, it's 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 a system unlike any other in the world. And it's just like, why is this not installed everywhere in the NFL? It's expensive. That's why.
3: Well, and this is it because who foot the bill for the Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play?
1: Hmm.
3: Not the league worth $200 billion.
1: Weird. Almost like that city did.
3: And that uh, that's the thing. I just got the, the, the heebie-jeebies because I was reading – some of the texts on the poisonous octopuses still. Uh, they really creep me out.
1: The close relatives of the
3: nope ropes? Yeah, I'm out. I'm out on all of that. All right. all, but this field, uh, it, it shouldn't be something the that The fact that this about. is
1: a storyline that we're talking about is incredibly dumb. How, it, it, how it, honestly, soon it's, until it's, we
3: find out they're just going to go and bust to a grass field somewhere else that's nice? At Bishop Gorman. Well, they got turf. They got oh, that's right, turf yeah. everywhere.
1: It's Vegas. It it's outside kind of makes sense all right coming up next hour number three we'll reset with two storylines coming into the game revolving both quarterbacks the greatness of patrick mahomes and how incredibly good he has been and whether or not brock purdy can play a clean game hour number three on danny dusty the fan
0: super week is all about fattening foods put the good meat out for dusty Big screens. Come to my garage and we'll film something, bud. And good sportsmanship. I got a
2: lot of problems
0: with you people. How about you sure. shut up. This is Danny and Dusty on Super Week.
2: Injured? Don't trust just anyone to something so personal. Call George McCoy at Warren Allen. Online at warrenallen.com.
0: Danny and Dusty on 1080. <laughs> the Fan.
1: It's hour number three here on Monday on Super Week, and that's right. We always make sure we put out the good meat for Dustin.
3: That's right. Put that good meat out. Bring that good meat out. Cut that meat. God, that was a great commercial. I hope we get some bangers this year. Have last you year seen the Paramount went, commercial? We went very sad last year.
1: Oh, no. Have you seen the Paramount commercial? No. Oh, my God. I
3: don't. I go spoiler free. I don't mess with No, no, no. no. With, this I isn't it. a Super Bowl. This
1: is a Super Bowl lead-up commercial. It's already out.
3: Oh I don't I don't watch a lot of commercials Oh period. man, it
1: it made its way on my feed and it's glorious. It's got um uh Star Trek Patrick uh Stewart Patrick Stewart. Stewart yes. Sir Patrick Stewart uh and Creed playing higher and Patrick Stewart it's a promo for like all of the Paramount shows. I think I heard Sue talking about this the other day. They they take Arnold from Hey Arnold who's football shaped head and Sir Patrick Stewart goes in like 1920s football regalia and throws Hey Arnold up a cliff to like get them out of like a ravine. It, <laughs> while so they use him like a hook, like a grappling yes, hook, and he like he throws his head like it, it's it is <laughs> see. Incredible. I need I need
3: funny commercials. Back. Oh, it is so don't bring. And they they're like we get a really high Q rating if they're very sad.
1: No, no, make me no. laugh, clown buddy. I died laughing. It was it was so dumb and so... It I mean, it's Sir Patrick Stewart, so it's greatness personified, but also singing Creed higher. It just certified banger.
3: I've been sent the Creed because of my thoughts on Creed mm. not being a great band. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've been sent the techno Creed remix mm-hmm. thing that the DJ did. It's not bad. It's not bad. Mm. But that's Creed's music. Is, it's not bad.
1: Just, you know, it just, number one selling records multiple times over and over the, and over.
3: They're the most Denny's band. Like they're, Wow! Denny's is around. Denny's is popular. Denny's
1: has never been number one in the world for multiple years. Yeah,
3: yeah. Jay Leno was. Denny's was at one point.
1: Were they? De-
4: yeah, Denny's had a heyday, just th- like Creed. Oh, I think. Yeah, Denny's spent decades riding the hell out of that Grand Slam breakfast.
1: I don't think they were ever number one, though.
4: Oh, Denny's made a ton of. Denny's used to be like a the the chain
3: the chain breakfast place. We're gonna have to
1: do some crack research on this. But I, I, I need, it's I just know okay. I need to know if they ever reached the top of the mountain.
3: And you know what? A lot of people like just
1: okay. When was the last time you had a good? Grand I feel slam? this way.
3: Uh twenty five years at Oof. least. <laughs> Twenty-five years. I feel this way about Morgan Wallen. And I know Morgan Wallen is very popular. Mm-hmm. He's very popular. And uh Whiskey Glasses was a really good song. And it was good. I feel like all of his songs just kind of sound the same. And he's that's kind of for me in whiny. He's got a whiny voice. And I'm that's, like, that's Mm-na-na-na-na. country for me in general. Morgan Wallen just in my jam. Hmm. But he is the jam for a lot of people.
1: It's like Taylor Swift. I go, it's all. It's all the same. To me.
3: Yeah, I go through these conversations a lot with people where it's like, "Oh, this is so great. You got to have it." I'm like, "Do I?" Taylor Swift new album. Like just like mm-hmm. just like the the Stan- the you know the Stanley cups are yeah, all the rage. Being
1: rebranded for hundred dollars more.
3: Yeah, I just I have a hydro flask, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, you can hold it easily." I'm like, yeah, "So can I?" Mm-hmm. I just have put my my finger through it. They're like, it "Keeps your water cold." And so does mine. It, it it's more convenient. How? I Was really it, really it,
1: waiting for that. I just put my finger in the hole. Drop.
3: You don't have to. You only. It holds forty ounces mm-hmm. instead of thirty two. Okay, so those those eight ounces I'm gonna have to go and refill. It fits better in your hand. <laughs> like it, it, I don't need. I don't need this. I don't need anything bigger. I have something that works just fine. It works fine. It's adequate.
4: Hmm. Mark got gotcha
3: that one. <laughs> But that's where I that's where I go. That's where I I, I, I live in this land and I'll I'll die in it.
1: You're gonna die in it? Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. I mean these are the things that I just feel are very way blown out of proportion. Creed number one. I you can have good songs. I, like hire is a good song. I don't know
1: how you if you can be blown out of proportion if you're like one of the best selling bands of all time, though.
3: You can. Because all your song, like they all sound the same, and people like that. They're, they they like that comfort. That's okay. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. See, but I, let's not pretend. I'm, I'm gonna like, start
1: playing nothing but Creed in let, between the breaks and just yeah, show you the difference.
3: Let's not act like they are reinventing the wheel at all.
1: They're not, and they haven't. That's okay. That's fine. You, you've got to you. Did did you like you get your heart broken to a Creed song or something? Like it it feels like this comes like a a, from a plane of personal pain.
3: No, I just I don't care for their music. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's pretty simple. Mm. I (laughs) feel like there's something more to this. No, just like there's something more that we just burned an entire segment talking about commercials and Creed. So see, uh... I I, I
3: look at this. A lot of people are followers, and Mm. they'll just follow. They'll just go and follow it. Like, and just listen to, uh, oh, Creed, easy. All right. There's a lot of really good bands out there. Better than Creed. Wow. All
1: right. When we come back, we'll talk about all the bands that are better than Creed. No. Uh, there is a difference heading into this game in the, in the level of quarterback play. As good as Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes has been, he might actually be on a level that you would not believe. We'll get to that and more coming up here on Danny and Dusty, Tending the Fan.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com.
0: On 1080 The Fan.
1: Dusty has now seen the Paramount commercial, and it is, hey. It is really good. It's a banger. Yeah, we that's what I need. Yes. I need more mindless Funny. stupidity. Yes. Mindless stupidity. That's right. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, there is a matchup between two quarterbacks here in Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes that uh, has some underlying tones to it that. I don't think are really being highlighted as much as they are as opposed to the narratives around both quarterbacks. The greatness of Patrick Mahomes chasing Tom Brady and Brock Purdy evolving from Mr. Irrelevant beyond to being this great quarterback. Well, if you look look at what they have done recently, Patrick Mahomes has thrown 163 straight passes without an interception, which is very good, particularly in the playoffs when you're talking about playing better teams. But he has just not thrown an interception, Dusty, he hasn't had a single turnover-worthy throw.
3: Not through the entire playoffs. He's played three games. That's nuts. I think one thing that we're seeing with Mahomes is that his depth of target has gone down dramatically from where it has been in the past. And this is what great quarterbacks do. When it comes time for the playoffs and every possession matters the most, he is taking care of the ball Mm -hmm. way better. And you look at, on the flip side of it, Brock Purdy... I mean, we all think of the Darnell Savage interception that went right into his chest early in the game of the Green Bay game. We saw two against Detroit that were also dropped. That you sit there and you are like, okay, those are turnover worthy throws. That you know the luck turnover luck has been on the Forty Nineers side where, and it was
1: last year up until him him getting hurt.
3: And that is going to be when you are going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. You have got to be more judicious with the throws that you make. And that's what you're seeing with Patrick Mahomes. And we're seeing the evolution of a quarterback too, go from truly elite to the transcendent talent. That's what you have with Patrick Mahomes. Those numbers are crazy to think about. Those are like Tom Brady-esque, you know, prime numbers that that what Mahomes is doing where, you know, the, he went the streak of uh, attempts without an interception. Mahomes isn't putting the ball in danger at all. One one thing is, it's scheme. It's not pushing the ball downfield. And also, when you're playing from the front and not from behind, it is a massive advantage, right? Because that they've had the luxury in two of those three games to have such big leads that you don't need to put the ball in danger. No. And Take that, what you get and go. That's what we saw. What is truly amazing, though, is when he went on the road into Buffalo, he didn't do that in a tight game where they had to rally too. That is the, the that's the brilliance of Mahomes. But what he's doing in at the quarterback position is truly it's at one of those awe inspiring levels of play where he is in, in for everything that Brock Purdy gets hit with game manager. Patrick Mahomes is just taking care of the football and being as safe as he possibly can with it. Can he still create? Absolutely. And the plays that he does create are incredible. But think of like the in the AFC Championship game, right? He's he's scrambling around for seven seconds and then he finds Travis Kelsey. Those are the kind of throws that you say quarterbacking one-on-one tells you do not rule to your left, plant your foot, and throw off balance back towards the middle of the field. But he makes that throw not into danger. He throws to an area where only his guy can get it. That's not a turnover-worthy throw. That's what Mahomes, that's like the next step in his evolution would have been. He's reached it now. He's taken that next step. And that's got to be the scariest part if you're Steve Wilkes in the defensive staff of the 49ers, is that you're sitting there and you're going, all right, you used to be able to maybe bait. Patrick Mahomes, there's no baiting him because he's not throwing up the 500 ball
1: to Tyree Kill anymore. Here's the insanity of Patrick Mahomes, okay? He has now played 17 career playoff games, a regular season, right? He now has a 67.4 completion percentage. He has thrown for 4,800 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 7 interceptions. He has an interception rate of 1.1%. Not too shabby. He has thrown the ball 626 times, which is essentially saying that he is for basically every 80 plus throws, he is getting one interception. And this
3: is a Kansas City offense that looks broken. (laughs) Like that's that's not insane. It's not explosive, but it's controlled, and that's like, that's This is, is against that is a great right competition. Everything During the is playoffs, controlled.
1: everything is ratcheted up. You're playing better teams, and he's got a thirty-nine. To, this is a season-long worth run of of him in the playoffs. Seventeen games. How many seasons in NFL history are better than that? Forty-eight hundred yards, sixty-eight percent completion rate, thirty-nine touchdowns, and seven interceptions.
3: Mm. There's very few. I 20, mean,
1: probably? Total seasons?
3: Yeah, and they're the historic ones, but we're that looking at... That is his playoff resume. But that, yeah, it, over, was it six years of starting? Six years, yeah. in the In the playoffs? And By the way, he's 14-3. Those are in... It's what? having a great staff, it's having a great roster, and the, the numbers are down this year the, mm-hmm. from where they were in the past. But that doesn't take away from he's actually
1: better this th- these playoffs already through three games than he was last year.
3: Well, last year included the Super Bowl, though, right?
1: Oh yes, but he's through th- through three games. Yeah. So he's...
3: I mean, you take the Dolphins game and you just kind of flush that one down the sure. toilet. It was negative thirty degrees out there. What he's doing is I- incredible. But this is the thing: what when you have the turnover-worthy throws that we've seen from Brock Purdy? We have seen him take care of the ball mm-hmm. and not not make those mistakes.
1: Can he put the full half together or Can, full game together? That's can't, the half
3: is it going to be the, the kind of those battle of wills? And you got Kansas City's defense, which is lights out, and they will make you pay if you throw it up. And that's the thing: Detroit's defense is not good. Purdy put up still good numbers against that team, but you can't make those risky throws against a Kansas City defense because they are way better than the Detroit Lions, and they will make you pay for that. Which is more likely in this game that you have Mahomes continue his perfection, because perfection is hard to achieve, and he's done it three damn games in a row. Or we have Brock Purdy put those four quarters together. Because, and this is why I keep going back to this game, I feel is just going to be a little bit more low scoring, because I don't feel like you're going to have Brock Purdy play a perfect game. Because that's just not in him. That's not who he is. But can the 49ers force, like they have to mm-hmm. every other quarterback, make those mistakes? Yes. And, and While their
1: offense also puts the pressure on them.
3: And that is the thing that Kansas City has not done. Everybody wants to say they punted seven times in the second half against Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, and their but offense sputtered. They were controlling
1: the yeah, game. They, they That's didn't what they have, needed to do to protect. They just, they just needed to chew clock and, and get out there, make sure you weren't going three and out, take your sweet time. Baltimore's offense didn't put them under any pressure.
3: And can the 49ers create an extra opportunity for Brock Purdy? Because this is what you have to do in a big game with a quarterback that makes those risky throws. You have to create the other opportunities for him. You have to do it. If the defense cannot come through in that regard for San Francisco, it's going to be a long-ass night. It's Sunday is going to be long. They have got to create at least one other opportunity for their offense to get back on the field. And the way Mahomes has been playing, good luck trying to find that in when that happens because he is not putting the ball in danger. He has not put the ball in danger one damn time in a, what, 163 attempts. 163 attempts in the playoffs so far. It's been masterful. That that that's
1: such seen. an insane thing to say that not once has he put the ball in danger. Um, I mean, phrase it this way: What's crazier, the fact that Brock Purdy has the the uh, horseshoe shoved up his backside, and the teams don't always get those turnover worthy throws to go their way, or that Mahomes has just hasn't even had one.
3: I think that it is. I think the crazier thing is that Mahomes hasn't even had one with it's, it's, what he is asked to do with the pressure that he's been under at times. I think that that is truly incredible that he has not had one throw that you can even squint at. And I'm be like, surprised
1: that the, the Kelsey, the, the the duck to Kelsey, wasn't rated as one.
3: Which which one? early
1: in the Baltimore game, the the one that he just kind of shot put it at him that Kelsey laid out for in the middle of the field.
3: Who else was going to catch it is the thing. That's I, uh, what makes it a turnover-worthy throw. Yeah, I, is...
1: I want to say that there was somebody there, but Kelsey beat him to it. But yeah, I, I'm just, I, that that one stands out to me because i I'm just kind of looking at how that was graded out at least. But the fact that he's basically dotted everyone up like that is insane.
3: Well, turnover-worthy throw doesn't have to be like perfect ball placement. It is... Well, Can playing. the other guys make a play? And on that's what I think. That's, that, that's more important. That's that is,
1: is that you are you are not even allowing a defender to make uh-huh. the play. All right, coming up next, Joel Embiid has had another knee injury. Just Ooh. how severe and what impact is, is going to have on the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers, the MVP race, and the NBA finals. But first here's the Big Kahuna Sports Center update.
2: I hear they got some tasty burgers.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fan.
2: Well, unfortunately, the news that we all expected
1: came across this weekend as Joel Embiid is expected to have surgery on his left knee that was damaged against the Golden State Warriors after Jonathan Kaminga fell
3: I don't understand what the 76ers are doing in, in all of this, though. Why the Philadelphia 76ers tried to silence the Shams report initially that he had a tear in his knee and then we're like, oh, we don't know about that. Made him retract that, even though we all a- also doubled down on it and said, tear. no, he's got a tear of his meniscus. Yes. Or no, he called it. A meniscus injury. A meniscus injury. Not that's a tear. Very
1: specific. And then it came out that the Philadelphia 76ers themselves, the, the press release email that they put out, said they had a he had a damaged flap, which there's is a
3: meniscus flap
1: because there's a tear. It, that's exactly what it is. Basically every every orthopedic surgeon that talks about stuff openly on Twitter was pretty damning and condemning of the 76ers language because it was just jargon and gibberish to try to obfuscate that Joel Embiid has a tear in his knee and he's going to have a surgery and he's going to be out for at least a month or two, (laughs) but that the severity of it won't be known until they get in there, which is typically the case unless you absolutely shred
3: it. So here is what they, and it's called a flap injury. Mm -hmm. It's the, but it's technically a flap tear, which means a a piece of your meniscus is is torn where it can flip up. Yes, and that's where the discomfort happens is when it it kind of curls upward. That's a flap
1: tear. Yes, and it's on the outer left side of his knee, and it's again stability issues and Joel Embiid injury get it. history. I
3: think they just don't want to admit that Joel Embiid has is a torn injured knee. again, and he's going to be out until the playoffs.
1: And that's if things go perfectly. Because
3: which have not in his recoveries no, in the past.
1: Again, it's, this is a three hundred and fifty to three hundred and sixty pound man who is having the greatest scoring season on a per minute basis ever. We, but when he went down, he was averaging one point oh five points per minute, which is higher than Wilt Chamberlain's record setting season. Damn, that's how good he has been, Dusty. He's been outstanding. I and mean, you watched. He was him the best player. He was playing the best basketball. In the world when he went
3: down. Better than his MVP year from
1: a year ago. And more efficient. And the 76ers were rolling when he was on the floor. Now their his MVP hopes are gone. Their title hopes are gone. And it, it completely reshapes how the East is stacking up. I would um, I would want
3: what happened with... And this is all unfortunate. But I would want, like, if I'm a 76ers fan, I, you'd almost want to have, like, the Grey in where it never gets off the ground then... As close and as good as the 76ers look, and then injuries to him derail your your season.
1: But Walton at least got the title. Yeah. But when he came back, that 78 team was the better team. And his feet just... They just completely broke down. I mean, that's an MVP. That's that's the only parallel you can draw between a guy this great and this injury-prone is... Bill Walton. But the biggest difference is Walton got a championship. And he got, he got that one opportunity where things just lined up, where maybe that was there last year. If Again, his knee in the playoffs, remember, we, we were, it was like, well, Joel's kind of playing pretty bad. Everybody knew he was playing on one leg. He was playing on one leg. We knew his knee was damaged. And this is the thing. You can go back to the 2014 draft, and the reason why – Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker were taken in front of him is because the medicals on Joel Embiid were so bad that people were just terrified. He had the navicular bone fracture in his foot, which is a death sentence for Biggs. Mm. If you're seven foot tall and you have that fracture, that's basically ah. like you're a ticking time bomb. Your feet are going to blow up. But he also has stress fractures in his back. So he misses the first two seasons of his NBA career. To first two seasons of his, of his NBA career and still if you took the totality of his career even with all of the injuries and the time that he has missed based on his medicals every team would have taken him because the talent is so overwhelming his production is so overwhelming and his medicals his medicals were ten times more red flag than Greg's Greg's red flag was that one leg was an inch and a half longer than the other and they knew that it was going to break down at some point not good Embiid was already broken. The thing about this is, and the thing that sucks, if you're a sports fan, not even if you're a 76ers fan, you should want him on the floor because he is truly great. Incredible. But if he I'm worried he's gonna try to rush back because this may be that only window, because it we may the, the ticking time bomb may have just happened.
3: The way that you gotta go with Joel Embiid moving forward has gotta be. The hell with the NBA rules. On pay the player fines, resting. whatever it play, is. Pay all of the fines. Hell, if you only play him in tele- nationally televised games,
1: maybe that's all you do. Never plays in back to backs.
3: But I think if you are a 76ers fan, I don't think you have an issue with him going, we're just going to see next year. We're just going to see next year. We play him. If Joel Embiid plays in 30 games in the regular season next year.
1: Thirty. I think, I think it's got to be like
3: forty-five. You think it's like forty-five? More than half. I think, like, if you were to say we just ramp him up and we play him, you know, we don't play him in long stretches. I, I think
1: he's going to get the after the surgery. I think he's going to be like, I'm coming back now for the playoffs. Which I that's think just the way he's wired. But that's what I'm he's saying. Like the competitor. Well, like not that. just that. I think he might see his mortality of of next year's not guaranteed. Okay, for if forty,
3: we'll meet forty-one games. 50%. Half of the games he plays in. I think I think that if you're the 76ers that's the way you you operate. And you say this is for when he is healthy, we are a legitimate NBA title contender. When he is not healthy, we are nowhere close to it. We are a bottom half playoff team. We are we are 8 6 through 8 in the Eastern Conference without him. When we have him, we're a title contending team. title contending team. Forty one games. Just say we're going to play him in half.
1: Just worry about getting there.
3: You play him in about a third of the games early in the year, and then you ramp it up a little bit more as the season goes on. You say, "All right, we're going to see how you go and get him in shape for the for the postseason."
1: It's just it's just crazy. The the everything that's come around of this, but you know that's. Gotta have it. That's how you gotta
3: have. You have to. Seven feet people are very useful in the playoffs, especially that can dribble, shoot, and defend the way Joel Embiid does.
1: Uh, I was listening to a Zach Lowe, Low Post, um, and he said, I, "I wrote this a couple months ago, and I, I I reread it, and I thought it was hyperbole at the time, but I I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it back against it." And he goes, "He has the power like of Shaq. No one's like Shaq. No one is Shaq, but the closest thing we've had to Shaq to where I can back a guy under the rim and put you in the rim because I want to." He has the footwork of Akeem, the post-footwork, because he does quite literally work with Akeem Olajuwon, and his footwork is unbelievable. And the mid-range game of Dirk Nowitzki. And you really start thinking about it, and you're like, the fact that that's not an insane thing to say shows you just how great he
3: is. Good text here, Yao Ming. Yao Ming may be a comp, too, where he's the most dominant player, but could never stay healthy and never got off the ground. He was
1: one step down. Once, like, don't get me wrong. Yao was the only guy that ever bothered Shaq because he's seven foot six. Yao
3: could move Shaq,
1: yeah, which is insane. Well, when your calves are the size of most people's heads, but useful donkey, useful. But yeah, Yao's Yao's probably close. Bill's the straight line. Yao's just like, and when I say a step down, I'm not talking like a step down. Like it's there's a there's a clear delineation, but still an all time great, but. Yeah, it, it sucks, man. When you're this big, this is just what happens.
3: R.I.P. Joel Embiid season.
1: Yeah. What what do you think? Do you think he actually do you think he comes back for the playoffs? Do you think he's insane and says I'm gonna do this? Or do you think he's he plays it safe? I think he does. I th- I think he comes back and plays because that's
3: kind of like everything about. That's Embiid why he was is, on the
1: floor against the Warriors. because he, he had to prove everybody wrong.
3: Well, yeah, he just he he has to show it. He and, and for that for that city, I mean City's just sitting there going like we're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. We are never going to get over the hump. We went through all of the tanking. We went through the process. Sam Hinkie screwed us.
1: Ben Simmons, James Harden. Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz.
3: Yeah. We are... <sighs> oof, we've been through the ringer. We thought that this was the light at the end of the tunnel. Nope. I mean, think of... With Embiid playing the way that he has to this point... Mm-hmm. They're still only fifth in the East.
1: Yeah, when he hasn't played, they they lose. Yeah, I want to say they're, I think he's missed like 14 games. I think they're four and ten in those games. Yelzes. So, yeah, it just kind of shows you the impact that he has.
3: Trying to see here. Eight games to be made up, and they could miss the play-in even.
1: Yeah, I need that to not happen, because I, I need I need the Miami Heat in the play-in.
3: Uh, the Netzel. I, 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 Netzel n- I need also.
1: Miami in the play-in, just for the vibes.
3: Oh Miami will Miami will do it. They may they'll be held off by uh, Orlando. Is going to make a little I Need them here. to
1: get healthy. They're, need them to get healthy. There you go. Just 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 for the Twitter memes, it'll be fun if Miami's in the plan. <laughs> all right, coming up next, we'll put a nice little wrap on the show. Uh, the Washington Huskies are uh, they're hiring the, the 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 heirs of greatness. What does that mean for them going forward? Danny and Dusty, today the fan. You take
3: em all the way.
0: It's a Super Week edition of Danny and Dusty.
2: Brought to you by George McCoy at WarrenAllen.com. On
0: 1080 The Fan.
2: Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field.
0: That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7 There's a new home run champion of all time.
4: Happy uh, heavenly 90th birthday to one Henry Louis Aaron, born this day, 1934. He died a couple of weeks shy of his 87th birthday. Uh, 25-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glover, two-time batting champ, 1957 MVP and World Series champ. You say 25? 25. That's bananas. (laughs)
3: Lord. Is that a lot?
4: That's a lot. That's a lot.
3: 25 All-Star games. Yeah,
4: and of course held the home record for quite some time. Until that cheating a hole Barry Bonds beat him. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, and also, <laughs> uh, happy 82nd birthday, still living to Roger Staubach. Still alive. Still alive. Still Definitely alive. Definitely
1: would have thought number one, super dead. Number two, a lot older.
4: The hero of one Bill Belichick,
3: mm. Roger Staubach.
1: Speaking of Bill Belichick, his son got a job, not him. Good hire. Yeah. This is good hire.
3: Yeah, Stevie, he's a, he's Stevie a lunatic Belichick. but a good coach. Stevie Belichick has been hired as the defense coordinator up at UW. Mm-hmm. Jed Fish bringing him on staff. No, Stevie Bilich, Belichick is ridiculously bright. Mm-hmm. He was calling the defense this past year for the Patriots, and look, the, the past couple of seasons, but the defense was not, not the, the, the issue. Problem. No, it, it was not the issue. And when they had their they were short their lapses, on, were injuries on the defense. Yeah, so they were short
1: the on dudes, and they were still functional.
3: He is very sharp, and he's young. He's thirty-six years old. It is interesting that he is going to the college game because he has not cut his teeth in college at all. He has been a pro guy, and this is going to be the interesting part for what how Jed Fish is building his staff because he also brought on Pete Carroll's kid, who was coaching with him in Seattle. So he brought on Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick's kids for his staff at UW. This is—you got to be able to recruit. Like you have to recruit if you hear any of the stories about any of these high-level recruiting schools, everybody just wants to say, oh, throw NIL, and it's easy to recruit. No, it's just money. No, 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 Make no, 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 it happen. No, no. These guys are maniacal in the way that you recruit. It is a day where like, you will practice. You will break down your practice tape. Then you hit the road, and then you go recruiting, and then you come back, and you Make break down more tape. And, and, and then you go back. It, while you're flying to and from places, You are, re- you are recruiting on the phone. Mm-hmm. It is... You have to be able to recruit, and that's going to be the sales. the big question. Jed Fish can handle a lot of that. He does a great job of recruiting, if yes. you saw what he did down at Arizona. But he's bringing in a lot of very smart football guys and guys with great football pedigree. And if you have Stevie Belichick and Pete Carroll's kid on your staff there, good start, X's and O's wise. But having those two, the dads around, if they, if they stick around and they're around the UW program, then it has a, a different allure to some of the kind of guys that you're trying to target.
1: No, it is interesting what you're seeing both at UW and with the Seahawks where there's been a real shift to going younger and, and, and looking the to Seahawks, build something they have a Harbaugh now. New. Yes, I was going to say, Jay is 34. Something like that. He He's super young. He's been uh, obviously coaching special teams at Michigan. Got a
3: lot of flack after the Rose Bowl
1: game, but <laughs> redeemed himself yeah. in the national championship, huh? Yeah, that's a little bounce back. But again, you kind of look at what both UW and the Seahawks are doing. There's been a real shift and a real pivot to going younger and setting themselves up for what they hope is the future.
3: Young coordinators, that's a play. I will be really interested to see if he can recruit a lick because the Belichicks don't seem dynamic. (laughs) Their personality-wise and connecting, especially with young people. (laughs) <laughs> See if Stevie's a little maybe, bit different than the Maybe it's a genetic Yep, alright, that'll do it for us Up next, you got four hours of power from their mm-hmm. mouths to your ears It's prime time with Isaac and Souk All Super Week, we got you locked and loaded Because uh, we got a big matchup Super Bowl 58 in Vegas Niners Chiefs Blech. I bet uh, Rye Guy from the Bay is going to be coming out yeah, this this week. Ryan sure Buckley, is. who's big Forty Nine er honk, womp, womp. big Forty Nine er honk. All right, we'll see you tomorrow from noon to three. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll see you Tuesday right here on the fan. Mm, bye. I don't need anything bigger. I have something that works just fine. It works fine. It's adequate.